Hello, and welcome to Revolution 22's teaching podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today and hearing this week's sermon. We pray that God's word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. Well, my, my primary goal today is in the next two weeks is, isn't to give you the right ideology but instead to hopefully give you motivation to refuse to make the primary focus your ideologies as a mean or your ideologies as a means to divide. Instead, that you would strive to maintain unity, that you wouldn't run from the right understanding and actions that these ideologies mean, but you would strive to work together with your family on them. Ephesians 4, chapter 1 through 3 says this. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What's interesting about this section is this is this turning point in Ephesians where he's spent so much time talking about who we are in Christ and sitting with Christ and moving, and now he's got to the spot where we can walk with the Lord. And when he says use this in a manner worthy, he's using the scale that we would normally see, like the olden scale where you have two sides of it, where you put enough in each side to try and measure it out. And so what he's saying is, is walk, live your life as you go on a day-to-day basis. Live it to where it measures out true to who you are in Christ. The walk that you have should level out with who you are in Christ. There shouldn't be a discrepancy there. They should be even. And as I thought about this word maintain and how I believe as a church we have just thrown this to the wayside, it made me remember and think through what is the antonym of maintain? The antonym of maintain is neglect. And I don't know anything in this world that we can neglect that it actually gets better. If you neglect your marriage, it's not going to thrive. If you neglect your children, they will not thrive. If you neglect your yard, it's going to look horrible. We can't neglect things and have it get anywhere. But the opposite of maintain is neglect. And so when he says that we are to maintain unity, it means that we're supposed to actively be doing something in this way. When he says how we are to do it, we're supposed to do it with all humility, all gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another. How are we doing on that? Bearing with one another is that we are to endure the injuries and sins of others. That's what this really means to endure the injuries and sins of others. How often are we willing to even stand near someone that has that happen? Do we really endure? Are we willing to walk with people with this way? When he uses the word eager here, he talks about a a zealous kind of striving, being so excited that unity is a possibility or is even something that we're supposed to give to that we move forward in this way. Unity, he's speaking of the inner and universal unity that is ours in the spirit. Every believer is bound to another believer. We don't create this unity. The Spirit creates it. We as the church preserve it, and that's what we're supposed to do. And how we preserve it is through the bond of peace. So the way that this text goes is that humility gives birth to gentleness. Gentleness gives birth to patience. Patience gives birth to forbearing love. And the four together preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. My wife and I have this tendency or this new thing that we have adopted with our kids. Someone else gave it to us. It's a really, really brilliant idea. But we have four kids, and they tend to fight every now and then, especially over things, over stuff. And this person told us, like, you know, one of the things we always do is we just remove the stuff, right? And so we have this habit now with our kids that when they're fighting over a toy, it's like, oh, sorry, give me the toy because you're saying in this fight that this toy is more important than your relationship with each other. And if you'll allow me today, I want to rip some toys from your hands. I think too often we've given ourselves to ideologies, 
And we've used those as excuses to fight with other believers. And that is not maintaining unity. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want to encourage you, this is going to be feeling like a family meeting that you're watching. Because it seems to me what people want in the church today isn't what we should be giving ourselves to. Right now, you want me to say that black lives matter or blue lives matter or that we must wear a mask, or that COVID is blown out of proportion, or that we should submit, or we should fight the government, or that you can't truly be a follower of Jesus unless you lean more conservative or liberal. You want to know very quickly if you can tune me out or hold me up based on the things I say, or worse, don't say, or maybe even the things that you think that I'm trying to say but haven't said. I won't say these things. Not because I don't believe that black lives, or any lives for that matter, don't matter. Not because I believe that science either negates or affirms the wearing of masks. Not because I don't believe that there are many false things flying around about COVID. Not because I don't have a view of what we are or are not to do with the government and the church. Not because I believe that all of these subjects don't have value or that truth that needs to be brought out of them or that truth that needs to confront some of these ideologies. Instead, what I'm going to try to do, and I pray not unsuccessfully, is to plead to the Spirit of God in each of you that profess to follow the name of Jesus. There's much work and conversation that needs to be done in all of those issues. And there will be until Jesus comes back again. Don't believe the lie that we can solve it and fix it today. We will spend the rest of our lives working this way. Real hard work until we are with the Lord. But I am deeply saddened by the ease with which we are all so quick to divide. So quick to vilify someone of opposite views. I get it. We're reaping what we sow in our hearts. We've spent a lifetime making sure that the things that we give ourselves to are things that we want or things that we're comfortable with or things that align to our thinking. We've, we've even made our decision based on church around those decisions. Everything's done this way. John gave me this little story to share that I think makes the point. Let's just say as a church we decided that we're going to fight sex trafficking here in Boise and we found out that there was a sex trafficking rink and it was just bad and, and horrible. And so we, we mobilized as a community. We all went out and tried to, to find someone. We find this, this little four-year-old black girl that has been... That has been enslaved into the trafficking industry. And we get her, and we're free, and we bring her into this building. She's standing in there. We're all standing around. And we see her. She's there. She's crying. She's scared. She's, her clothes are torn. She doesn't have, she's, she's super thin. She's hungry. She doesn't have any kind of confidence in her. And we stand as Christians around her. And some of us are like, we need to get her some clothes. And others are like, no, no, we need to feed her. And some are like, no, 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 she needs emotional care. Some of us are like, can we just celebrate that she's free? And others are like, no, we need to go get more. And some are like, wait a second, she needs the gospel. No, she needs love. No, she needs a safe home. She needs, a, she needs help emotionally. She needs the truth. She needs love. And instead of meeting the very needs that God has asked us to meet, we fight each other, which one's more important. Now, they're all true. She needs all of those things. They're all true. Could it possibly be that God has pushed on you, the Spirit has stirred in you to meet that need instead of making it more valuable than someone else meeting some other need that he has stirred on in him? or her. All the while, she's standing in the middle of us with so many needs, and we never stopped to meet them. I didn't even talk about the group of you that would be like, why does she have to be a black girl? Why couldn't she be a boy? Which political party is she affiliated? None of that stuff. Or which president do you think she'll vote for? It is insane. It's insanity how quick we as the children of God, co-heirs with Christ, so quickly to divide the one person, Jesus, that holds us together. As I was thinking about this and prepping this, I thought, what better person than to go to Jesus? Because I see so many people in conversation and on social media and everywhere else, that they keep claiming that Jesus would be on their side, as if there's some side in the gospel. Guys, there are no sides in the gospel. It's either with the gospel or not. The dividing line is Jesus Christ, and that is it. Stop giving yourself to other dividing lines. So I went to Jesus, which, by the way, he says, where two or more are, there I am. So there we go. He's everywhere. Or in the Great Commission, let's just go there. He says, lo and behold, I will be with you always. So he's with you all the time. Stop trying to speak for him. Speak for yourself and let him speak. 
went to Jesus, one of the things I thought is if I'm gonna, if we're gonna get anywhere as a church in this, and this is just a, again, this is an issue globally, but I'm just giving it right here to our little C, small C church, Rev 22. If we're gonna get anywhere at this, we gotta recognize and look, how did Jesus pray? What did Jesus ask for? And if you look, Jesus, if you're gonna model yourself after prayer, you should model yourself after him. He is always giving himself to prayer over and over and over again. He shows us what it means to believe in the power of prayer. He shows us what it means to be intimately connected with God in prayer. He goes over and over and over again. And I came to one prayer, which all of you are very familiar with, but for some reason we have, so many of us have just forgotten. It's the prayer that Jesus gives right before he's arrested. Not the one in the Garden of Gethsemane where he's asking for the Lord's will. We know that one. That's a great prayer for us to focus on. No, it's the prayer before that. When he's realizing that he's about to leave his disciples. And he goes before the Lord in John 17. He has this beautiful, I encourage you to read all of John 17. It's profound. It's beautiful. Starting in verse 11, he says this, Holy Father, keep them, speaking of his believers, speaking of the followers, the children, the people that Jesus has been walking with, keep them which you have given me that they may be one, even as we are one. The standard with which our oneness is between God and Jesus. It doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room for us to try and find a dividing line. They're pretty one. And he goes on in verse uh, 21, which by the way, this section also is speaking about, Jesus says at the beginning, not only these, but those that will be coming, our brothers and sisters that have not been saved yet, that they would be one. He goes on and says, that they may all be one in verse 21. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one. I don't know if you guys are seeing this, but there's only one number that keeps coming through this text. Even as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may be what? Become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you have loved me. We are so far from this right now as a church. So far from this, we have given ourselves to neglecting unity. How have we gotten this far? What is going on with us? How have we gotten this so far? I've heard people again say that which side of the gospel are you going to be on? Scripture is very clear. The dividing line is Jesus. Denominations and every other divide is of man. God will use these, but know that God desires oneness and nothing less. That is his desire. That is what Jesus prays for. That is what God commands of us is to be one. There will be divisions on earth. In fact, Luke 12, Jesus tells us that families will be divided, not because of ideologies or politics or their version of which denomination they are, because of Jesus. Jesus will divide. He is our dividing line. If you bear the name of Christ, then guess what? Lock arms because we're going to do it for an eternity together because we are his and no one can take us from his grasp. So how dare we treat people that are followers of Jesus because of ideologies as if less than or different or not welcome? In our fight for ideologies, we have forsaken something so clear. In so many of the scriptures, guys, over a hundred verses that I found about patience with one another and unity. And we like to cling to the one verse, like, when can I divide from a person? Well, an unrepentant sin. And then you're still supposed to pursue them as someone that doesn't have hope. And we want to cling on to that one as opposed to the hundred other verses that say, no, forbear, long suffer, stay together. Don't run from each other. How do we get here? I think we're here because this is the ground with which we fertilize in our heart. Hear me on this. Galatians 5 does this really profound thing with fruit. This is where we get the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 is not an exhaustive list by any means, but it's, it's this list where the beginning of Galatians 5 starts with him saying, you've been set free, but don't use your freedom to fall back into slavery. Goes on and talks about how our freedom has set us free. So walk in that freedom, but how dare we use that to go on and sin? And then he goes through this whole list, and he starts talking about things, and then he gets to Galatians 5 verse 13, where he says this, for you were called to freedom, brothers. You were called. We were called to the Lord, and in the Lord we have freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love 
serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Now, this is interesting. He's speaking to believers here. He's talking to believers and saying, if you bite, if you continue to devour one another, be careful not to give yourself to fall into being consumed by that. There's a way with which we can bite each other that can be all-consuming. There's a way with which we can fight that's really, really not good. He goes on in verse 16 and says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. Again, when you see the word walk in the New Testament, no, it's a present imperative. It's every day. You're just supposed to do this. This is how you're supposed to live continually all day long, not at 9, noon, and 5 p.m. or just on Sundays and at gospel community, all week long as you walk. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Did you hear that? The only way to not gratify the desires of the flesh is to actually be walking with the Spirit. We want to find some third ground in there. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, maybe not walking by the Spirit, but I'm not gratifying the flesh. No, you're, you're literally neglecting unity by doing that. And what it goes in further here, which is interesting, it says, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, so they can't coexist. And the desire of the Spirit is against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. This is a very real tension that I want you all to acknowledge that will not go away until the resurrection. You will, for the rest of your life, feel the tension of your flesh battling the Spirit of God. Don't worry, he is victorious. We are more than conquerors in him. But for the rest of our life, we will be fighting this tension. If you believe the lie, you're immune to this tension, then you will give yourself to all kinds of work of the flesh unintentionally. We are not immune from this tension. Then he goes on in verse 19. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Okay, so those are ones we're not going to talk about. But for just a second, I want to talk about this. In Galatians 5 here, there's 15 things that are work of the flesh. And then he says, and such things. So it's not an exhaustive list. There's many more. Eight. Eight of the 15. You know what they have to do with? Ready? Here they are. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and envy. All affecting brotherly love. All affecting unity. Eight of the things of the flesh, of the works of the flesh, are divisiveness, dissensions. And yet we are so quick to go, well, can I politically agree with you? I guess not. We divide. We keep playing down in the muck down here when God has placed us up here in his kingdom. and says, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. This identifies where and what you do down here. Not this to up. We are a follower of Jesus. We are a part of his kingdom. It goes on and says that those of you do such things, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How much of that are you guys experiencing right now? How much joy and peace and patience? Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. We've died to the flesh with its passions and its desires. Now since, if we live, since we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us walk with the Spirit. Let us not become prideful, conceited, provoking one another, or envying one another. Now this may be common sense to you, but it was new to me recently, so I'm just going to share it with you anyways. My wife and I are really good at growing tomato plants, but not getting tomatoes. So right now I have a six-foot tomato plant in my backyard. It's beautiful. It's green. It's huge, powerful. It's strong. There's no fruit in it, okay? None at all. And so here I was. I was looking at this, and I was like, man, we have we have fruit we need to work on. We have this. We're going to get these things. And these people, this wonderful people gave us just two little red solo cups, and I said, I just want a small tomato and a big tomato. There's like a hundred different kinds of tomatoes, right? And so I planted, and I had no idea which one I planted where, because I, I didn't know which way they were. So we see the little blooms coming and we're, we're fertilizing and we're doing all kinds of things. 
and, and clipping and doing all the stuff that we're supposed to do, and, and one plant's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and no tomatoes are coming. And then all of a sudden, on one of them, like a little tomato shows up, a little green tomato. Now, I don't know if this green tomato is supposed to get bigger. I have no idea, but it's there. And it made me realize something with this. I've believed the lie in my own life. If that my kid came up and they did something really annoying to me and I displayed patience in that moment, I was like, oh, the fruit of the Spirit showed up right there as if it just popped up out of nowhere. Like, look at that. I just showed up with some patience. Hope I can have some joy today as if it's just going to happen. And when he uses the word fruit, fruit is planted, watered, fertilized, pruned. And then you see the fruit. Guys, the reason why we are seeing so much strife and enmity and everything else because we have fertilized the ground. We have fertilized the ground to bring it about. It's not just a happens of a moment of weakness. We have given ourselves to neglecting it. We are not walking by the Spirit. We have been robbing ourselves of the joy and the patience and the peace that comes from the Spirit. And instead of giving ourselves to divisiveness or enmity or strife or jealousy or fits of anger, we're producing the fruit that the soil within us has been fostering and holding to. Whether we've been doing it by neglecting it or we've been doing it by actually fertilizing the wrong thing. This is what's happening. We're reaping, we're, we're seeing the fruit of our own actions right now. So when you or I operate in a fit of anger, it's not because it just happened that day and I just was tired and I was exhausted. No, I've given myself inside some time to be justified by the anger that I, I believe is there. I've given myself to say this person's wrong and therefore I can be mad at them because they're wrong and I can vilify them and I can make them my enemy so then when they speak, now I can react in anger and I'm justified because I'm right. You know who else were really right? The Pharisees. They were great at being right. They were so afraid of being wrong that they made law after law after law just to make sure that they stayed right. Yet they were the ones that sent Jesus to the cross. A group of people that got together to maintain the word of God at its truest form ended up being the ones in complete opposition to Jesus Christ. We've planted it. The fruit you're seeing is there. We've become prideful and we provoked one another. And these are all works of the flesh. This is not the church. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 again says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. In all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity in the spirit of bond of peace. I understand why unity is such a hard thing because we can't just find someone we agree with and say we're unified. This kind of unity requires us to actually spend time with people that we see things differently. This kind of unity means that we're going to be walking with someone that either is new in their faith or very mature in their faith. Someone who's been sanctified in their political view. Someone who's been sanctified in their political view. Someone who's been sanctified in their, in their political view or not. We have to be willing to maintain it visibly. Unity can't be just something we do in the back, in the background and hide it. Unity has to be something that we maintain visibly. If the unity of the Spirit is real, it must be transparently evident, and believers have a responsibility before God to make sure that it is so. One scholar says it this way. I'm going to read it twice. He says this. He says, Live in a manner which mars the unity of the Spirit is to do despite to the gracious reconciling work of Christ. It is tantamount to saying that his sacrificial death by which relationships with God and others have been restored, along with the resulting freedom of access to the Father, are of no real consequence to us. Say it again. He says this. He says, To live in a manner with which mars the unity of the Spirit is to do despite to the gracious reconciling work of Jesus. It is tantamount to saying that his sacrificial death, Jesus' sacrificial death, by which all of our relationships with God and others have been restored, along with the freedom and the access to the Father which we have, are of no real consequence to us. That's what we're saying when we mar unity. Again, Paul isn't speaking about unity at all costs. Let me be really clear. People are like, wait a second. How am I, like, what about the fundamental truths? No, you know what he does after this in, in Ephesians 4? He goes on and establishes the fundamental fundamental issues, the fundamental things that we need to believe to be unified. One God, one spirit, one baptism, one hope, one body. He goes on and plants them in the fundamentals. Part of the reason why we are so incredibly divided as a church today is I think because we've forgotten 
or don't understand or haven't grasped forgiveness. I don't have enough time to go into this today necessarily, but we as believers, when another believer wrongs us or they put something that we believe is is completely wrong on their social media feed or they say something in passing, we feel justified to be angry at them and never, ever seek forgiveness. And I know what you're thinking. Some of you are like, oh, I don't have this problem. No, I just just move on. No, no, you don't. (laughs) No, you don't. If you gave yourself to an anger moment, then you've sinned against them. Anger, Jesus says, if you're angry with your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. But Jesus says this. He says, God says he will forgive. God says to forgive, and he will forgive. We see that in, in, the, in the Gospels. We also says that he forgives. He says, how you forgive, he will forgive. So it's weird. Like, we're supposed to forgive, and then he forgives. And how we forgive is how he will forgive. So if we're like, oh, I don't need to forgive, well, then I don't know if you want Jesus to say that about you. He goes on and says, or really the standard with which we're supposed to forgive is how he has forgiven us. So, th- so we are supposed to be forgiving people. And yet we continually give ourselves to divisiveness. Jesus goes one step further and he says, if you're offering something at the altar and you know there your brother has something against you, go first and be reconciled and then come back and put your offering before them. He puts our sacrifice, our worship to God in place, needing to be taken care of first. You know the whole scripture that we all love where Jesus, where two or more there Jesus is? It's in context to Matthew 18, going and, and rebuking a brother who's in sin. It comes right after that. And where two or more Jesus is. Why? Jesus is ferocious about unity. He is zealous about us being one. And we are flippant with it. And we are lazy and complacent and willing to divide. What's sad to me is some of you are too far gone. You're aligning yourself to only the people you agree with. You're giving yourself to factions. It seems a lot like Corinthians where he says, I follow Paul or I follow Paulus. You feel liberated and distancing yourself from other believers. You feel like being right is the most important thing. And the only safe people are people that hold to your ideologies the exact way you do. And what you're doing is you're ripping the body of Christ apart. We're tearing his flesh apart. That which cannot be divided, we are literally striving to divide. Some of you, I get it. No, I'm not doing that. I'm just kind of distancing myself. Okay, well, you're just walking off. It's like my arm just took off. It's like, oh, there it goes. It's maybe not being ripped. Like, it was less violent, but it's gone. What if we held on tighter to each other than our ideologies? What if as Christians, we just said, you know what? I don't care what the political system is. I understand that it's there, and I understand that I have to play a part in it. I understand what what, what my role is. But like, what if we said, I refuse to divide over whether or not you are liberal or conservative? What if we said, I refuse to divide as to whether you believe that I need to work with racial reconciliation or not? What if we said, I refuse to divide over stupid piece of cloth on my face. What is wrong with us? What if we held on to each other tighter than the ideologies that we go so passionate about? How can we treat each other like this? We bear the name of Christ. We are co-heirs. There is no hierarchy there. We are co-heirs with Christ in the kingdom of God, and yet we view someone else as lesser than. Guys, it cannot go on. It cannot go on. I understand that you're hurting. Everyone is to some extent. We're sad. We're grieving because the way that we viewed church isn't happening the way that we want it to. We're grieving because the way we viewed community isn't happening the way we want it to. We're grieving because we're being told all kinds of things and we don't know which way to look is up. Just just stop for one second. Your issues aren't with the government. Your issues aren't with other believers that do or don't wear a mask. Your issues are with God. God is not up there out of control. He is not going, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about 2020. What is going to happen? He is not confused by what's going on. He is allowing it. I'm not going to say he's doing it, but he is allowing. He's not, he could stop it tomorrow if he wants to. God is sovereign and all-powerful. If you don't believe that, then go back to who God is. You need to understand his character, but your battle is with God. You're wrestling with your complacency, your ideologies, dare I say your idols being ripped from you. And God is saying, this toy is too important to you and it's costing your relationship and therefore it is mine. I will not let you use this toy as a reason to divide my son who is not divided. He can't be divided. I can only imagine how much work the Spirit is going to have to do in our hearts as we move to the next season, whenever 
or whatever that'll look like. But we must not lose sight. Will you fix your eyes on Jesus alone? Will you allow him and only him to be what you focus on? How do you share him, love him, bring glory to him? Can't forget that he is our victory. He is our soul strength, and he alone is the advocate for us. And the justice that we are all so badly looking for, he is the one that brings it. His last prayer here on earth was that we would be one. Do we believe he wanted it? Do you think that was just a flippant thing? Like, oh, I, you know, I just uh, pray, but nothing's going to come from that because then we got an issue of what we believe in prayer and the value of it. Or do you believe that there's power in prayer? And that Jesus was pleading for the one thing that he knew that we would struggle over and over and over again. Guys, we can learn from church history. Division is not a great thing in the body of Christ. We are way weaker. What's your hope in? Is your hope in the world turning back to whatever it was beforehand? Is your hope in us having our freedoms, our liberties? Is your hope in the right political party sitting in office? What is your hope in? Because if you have hope in any of those other things, then you have to go to Romans 5 and figure out what to do with Jesus because he's supposed to be our hope. He's our hope. Nothing else brings hope but Jesus alone. Stop looking for it in other things. Stop using it as an excuse to fight a brother and sister. It makes sense. The longer we are apart, the more we've been forced to interact online, the harder it is to remember what it means to be a person and to treat people as people and not as a computer screen. It makes sense. The more distance you have, the, the more disconnected you get from community, it makes sense why you'd flounder. Don't give in to that. Don't believe the lie that community could only happen this way that you viewed it early on. Instead, press into one another. If someone disagrees with you, sit with them and say, hey, help me understand this. You guys ever think about the golden rule? Like, it's pushed on kids in public schools, the golden rule. Jesus says it, treat others as you want to be treated. We view that as, how do I want to be treated, and therefore I might want to do this. But we never think about the fact that that might be actually a way for us to go, okay, you believe differently than I do. If I were in your shoes, how would I want to be treated? That's how that's supposed to go. So let's say for just a second, in mass or in COVID or in, goodness, racial reconciliation or anything else we're choosing to fight about right now. Let's say you're right. You are 100% right. Not pharisaical right, but just right. You've got it down. You're in a great spot. If you were wrong, how would you want to be treated? Then would you be willing to treat the people around you like that? Or do you, because you're right, you feel like, well, I'm right. Therefore, I can just bludgeon the people around me and I can just say it louder and louder and louder and louder. Facebook is just the sign holding of the modern day. That's what I'm against. What influences you? One of the lies I think we as Christians have forgotten, we are in this world, but not to be of it. We're going to talk more about that next week. But you are being influenced in good and bad. You are being influenced by the articles you read. Look, you don't have to be a genius. I, you guys know me well enough. I'm an idiot when it comes to electronics. But even I'm aware of the algorithms that are on place on Twitter and Facebook and everything else that will just continue to create an echo chamber of the things I like or read. They are literally working for you to only see your side, only view your beliefs. So what's influencing you? How much has your political leaning influenced your walk with God? How much has the articles you're reading influenced your walk with God? How much does the relationships of the people you have around you influence your walk with God? How much has your gospel community influenced your walk with God? How much have the scriptures influenced your life? Look, it's just a simple mathematic equation. If I spend an hour on social media and five minutes in the Word of God, who do you think is influencing me more? I'm neglecting unity at that point. If I spend three hours on Netflix and I pray every other day, what's influencing me? We, we have to understand what we take in, guys, is influencing us. You're not, some of you might be able to occasionally be like, oh, I just watched that and it didn't influence me at all. Maybe. But the more you give yourself that stuff and the less you give yourself to the time in the Word and time with the Lord and time in community, guys, you are being influenced in the other way. This is how I know this is true is how quickly we as a church are willing to divide right now. Things got hard and everyone went poof. And yet we see in Scripture, persevere to the end. Suffer. To consider pure joy, brothers, when you suffer. Why would he say that? Because God is doing something in our hearts. Remain under. Remain under and don't squirm out when you suffer, when you, when you experience trials of various kinds. And James, what's influencing you? Some of you are being way too influenced by things of the world. You are to be in the world, but not of the world. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are not of the world. You are of his kingdom. We're going to talk more about that next week. But some of you have got to recognize that you are being influenced. 
in good ways and bad ways. So we're going we're gonna to do something in hopes to, to help us hold tighter to each other than our ideologies. I'm going to encourage, challenge, plead, beg for all of you to join me in a 28-day fast. A 28-day fast from anything that's influencing you. If that's Facebook, then get off of it. But, but, but Brent, I have groups of, of people that I stay connected there. There's this thing called a cell phone. You can pick it up and call them. It's amazing. Many of you need to hear the voice of someone else right now, not a digital email or writing anymore. I'm going to ask you to do this. If you're being heavily influenced, if you can't discern that your understanding of what we should be doing through this time isn't being influenced by your political leaning, then I'm going to ask you to step out. But, but, but the primaries, it's okay. It'll go on without you. 28 days. And what we're going to do, it didn't take me long. I found 28 scriptures that speak to unity. And every day, we're going to put these up here. There's a 28-day challenge. I'm going to encourage you guys to read them. I'm going to call it Disconnect from the World and Reconnect with God. Isn't that great? So cheesy. I love it. We're going to reconnect. And when you talk to someone, I want you to talk to about how you've maintained unity, not neglected. What are the ways you're giving yourself to unity over the next 28 days? And some of you right now, here's the other thing. I just want to say this. Uh, please hear me on this. Do not shame someone else if they don't get off what you get off, okay? But let me say this as well. If you're like, there's no way I'm getting off, you might be addicted to it. And then I will tell you the influence is a lot higher and you're in danger. So if you can't get out of articles or Twitter, and I understand the difficulty, like, well, our videos are online. We will post this up on Facebook once. I asked, I told everyone, all the staff, they're welcome to do that, so we probably won't be doing much there. We will email it out every week to you guys on what the, the readings are for every week. We will send out the videos every week, so we will still communicate to you. You just have to open the email. If you don't have your email, please get it to us, and we will continue to go. You can also go on YouTube. I know that I found out some people really struggle with YouTube and their ideologies as well, so if you go to watch the sermon, like put a timer on it. I know you can do that on your computer, so it shuts off right at the end of the sermon, so you can't Go look at something else on YouTube if you need to. Or just go to the Podbean and listen to the podcast. And then I want you guys to recalibrate your thinking. Think, just, just imagine with me for one second. What would 28 days of every single person just in Rev, every single person saying, I'm going to spend time trying to understand what God wants me to understand of all the scriptures he talks about in unity, and I'm going to press into community around me. What would it look like? We're going to talk about next week, what do we do with people that we disagree with, especially inside the church? We're going to talk a lot about that next week. I'm also going to do a couple of videos midweek around this. We're going to have some conversations around this. We're going to try and get as much done as we can in two weeks here because I believe we've, we've, we've lost sight of what was incredibly important to God. We've, we've given ourselves to something so far removed from what Scripture commands of us. And my fear is, is that the very thing that, God, that Jesus says, the world will know that we are his, is just not existent right now. Not existent on social media, not existent in the news, not existent in our communities. Guys, I am broken over the way that I am seeing so many people divide over ideologies, over being right. John 13, 34, right after Jesus washes the feet of Judas, even, he goes on and says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is how people will know. This is how the world will know. This is how us as believers will know that we are of God, is by the way we love each other. And just in case you're wondering, like, well, what kind of love? That's the agape love there. That's all sacrificial love. That's not like a brotherly love, like, okay, I can agree to disagree. I hate you, buddy. See you later. No, this is a sacrificial, I will sit at the table with you because I value you more than the thing that we're arguing over. I want to see our hearts break when someone runs. If you are full of divisiveness, strife, or enmity right now, then know your ideologies are being influenced by something other than God. Your thinking is not of God. God would not bring divisiveness to the oneness that he commands of us to have in Christ. Our division comes in Jesus alone. Wait, 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 wait. When, when can I separate? Isn't there a reason that I can divide from someone? Yes, it is. It's an unrepentant sin. In the same Matthew 18 verse that he says that Jesus is in the middle of it and the pleading is to win the person back. And if they are there, then you give them over their sin, but you pursue them as an unbeliever. 
I think too often many of us are asking the question, like, when can I separate? If I'm right, how long do I have to sit there? And it feels a lot like the question of, Jesus, who is my neighbor really? Or, you know what, how many times do I really have to forgive? I feel like that's the vein with which that question is being asked. In all of those answers, Jesus is like, uh, 70 times 7, or basically indefinitely, or your neighbor as well, anyone that you see, wherever you are, the Good Samaritan story. I feel like we're, we're looking for reasons to divide as opposed to pushing in. So if you're here today and you're like, man, I have a problem. I have a problem with someone in my gospel community. I have a problem with someone in the church. I have a problem with this person. And you're just sitting on it. Guys, don't sit. That is a root of bitterness, and the enemy loves to play with your heart in that. And if you realize that, if we look at Galatians 5, that there's a fruit that's happening, that the, that the flesh is at war with our spirit, then why in the world would we sit on it? Some of you have issues with me, and you haven't communicated them. Come. Come tell me those issues. Seek forgiveness. Seek clarity. Whatever we need to do. You have issues with other brothers and sisters. You've taken a co-heir of Christ, and you've made them less than you. And you viewed them as expendable. How dare we do that? How dare we minimize another person because of our ideologies? So we're going to take communion next week. I would like you guys to come with the right heart. I would like you to come to the blood of Jesus, recognizing that we are one in the blood of Jesus. And you don't have to go there divided. If you are divided, make it right this week. If you have a problem, you're like, well, I don't know if I do. It doesn't, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I'm not sure, but I feel like your, your, your name was brought to my head. I thought of you, even when Terrell talked about it last week or two weeks ago, I, that whole Grant story, I thought of someone, but I just I didn't want to stir the pot. No, God is moving in you because he is there. He wants you to be reconciled. He wants you to pursue forgiveness because we are one. And just hear me on this. If we cannot forgive one another, then how in the world do we understand God's forgiveness of us? You can't compartmentalize those. The band's going to come up, and we're going to worship a little bit more. It breaks my heart that our hearts aren't breaking anymore, that we seemingly only want to be right, that we feel justified because of our political leaning, our ideologies, or whatever we believe. We feel justified in treating other people the exact opposite of God commands. We feel justified in walking in dissension, in division, in enmity, because we're right, darn it. We feel like we need to fight for things in this world when we are not of this world. There, are, there is much to do in this world. We're going to talk about that next week. Or would you give yourself to disconnecting from this world and reconnecting to God? Would you give yourself to unity? Because let me tell you this right now. If you're just doing nothing, you're neglecting it. Because to maintain unity takes action, takes giving ourselves to it. And many of us have spent a fraction of the time in his word compared to the time we're reading all the other stuff or all the other time that we're spending on social media or YouTube or Netflix or anything else. So let's do it. Let's walk with each other in unity. Let's see what this world can do. Let's see what the valley can do. Let's see what God can do when just a small group of people say, no, we will not use ideology as division. We will not let a piece of cloth over our face be a reason to divide. We will not let anything be a reason for division. We will love each other. We will walk with each other. We will be patient. We will repent when we make wrongs, and we will not operate in fits of anger, or dissension, or div divisiveness, or enmity, or strife, or jealousy, or pride. I pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, I know that there is much to be done in, and all of these ideologies have ways that your gospel is supposed to crash into them. So God, would you give us the desire to do it with our community. God, for the individuals that are here today that have issues with other believers, God, would you wreak havoc on their hearts? Don't let them sleep tonight until they, they reach out to that brother or sister and confess their own sin. Don't let them go justified in their anger. Don't let anyone feel justified in a reason to divide, God. The only division is Christ. And even then, Lord, in your word, you tell us to love our enemies, to turn our other cheek. So there's no reason for us to wipe our hands of these people and just walk away from them. Help us to be a people that are long-suffering. Help us to be a people that are gentle, 
that are kind, that have true joy, that rest in the hope of Jesus and Jesus alone. And God, if there is anything that needs to be ripped from us, if there's any toy in our hand that needs to be ripped from us, God, take it. Rip it from our hands. It can be painful, but God, we do not want to get in the way of what you're doing. And God, you say that when we are together, when we display our giftings that your spirit does in us, that the manifold wisdom of God is displayed on earth. God, we want more of that. And so, Father, I I ask that you work on our hearts. For those that are believers, God, I pray that you would um, help them to be convicted by your spirit in a way that draws them to walk by him. Help them to be um, uncomfortable in sitting in dissension or unforgiveness or bitterness. Help them to be willing to do the hard work of walking forward. And so, God, I pray that we would be one like you and Jesus is one, that we would be perfectly one like you are. And we thank you for the power to even come closest doing that. And God, until you come again, I pray that you bind our flesh and your spirit wins out in every one of our hearts every single minute of every single day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit revolution22.org. We encourage you to not neglect meeting together as believers. And may you continue to love God and love others.